श्रीला गुरुदेव की जाय श्रीमन महाप्रभु की जाय श्री हरिनाम संकीर्तन की जाय श्री श्री दौजी गोपाल जी की जाय गौर भक्त वृंद की जाय गौर प्रेमानंद गुड इवनिंग टू ऑल ऑफ यू थैंक यू मच फॉर इनविटेशन एंड योर प्रेजेंस टुडे सो I don't know if you have any questions or any topic you would like to to share today that we may speak about. It's a it's a broad topic, but we just arrived to where Vishma is about to say his prayers. Again, last part. It's a brief, broad topic, but uh, we just arrived at in huh. the Bhagavatam where huh. Vishma is is about to start his prayers huh. when he's on the uh, when Yudhishthira is talking to him. Mm-hmm. So he's just about to say this. I think that's like the end of it, and then he dies after saying the prayer. Um, so, and it's it's a very nice section. <laughs> yes. Do you, know, do you want to talk about it? <laughs> well, <clears throat> yeah, it's a very nice section. So, it should want to talk about it. <laughs> every 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 aspect of the Bhagavatam is a nice section, as you know. So. We should never get tired to to speak over and over again about the so-called same sections, no? as Guru Maharaj was saying today or yesterday, and every single day. <laughs> no? If you say, "Oh no, I already read the Bhagavatam. I know already that Bishma prayer section. Let's go to a new, more fancy, whatever, no? new commentary at least of that section." But not so. <clears throat> If you if we think like that, it means we are not really understanding the the nature of the topic, which is, as it says, six enough of that. You can never say enough about that. So, and that's the <coughs> that's the type of reading that the <coughs> that the higher personalities have of, of, of revelation. No? They, whatever they touch. Any single point at every single syllable, every single line of revelation, they find like like a new uh, waterfall-like experience of <laughs> new meanings coming from there. That's uh, the, the nature of of the Brajabhasas. These days, we were we were like sharing some ideas about the Pranaya Gita, which is one section in the beginning of the Rasa Panchadhyay. <laughs> When Krishna calls the gopis and gopis come and Krishna and just says like, "Oh, what are you doing here? It's night. You are young ladies and young boys. It's not proper that we are here. You should come back home." And they start the whole debate, and in that debate, the, the, the gopis, in a very insti- instinctive way, in a very natural way, resort to the most perfect scriptural conclusions without without them knowing the scriptures in the context of the lila. I mean, the gopis are not quoting. Well, Sutashvatar Upanishad says like this, <laughs> but they naturally express themselves, their own psychology is such that it tends towards the most perfect Siddhanta. And actually for us, all the other scriptures, Upanishads and so on, are after such Siddhanta. <laughs> no? So my point with this is, the nature of Revelation is that we should reach a stage with where whatever we do, whatever we say, it's conforming with Siddhanta and, and it's and Siddhanta means as once also Guru explained, Siddhanta is not a fixed stuff. No like 
Okay, this is the perfect conclusion about this. Let's go to the next perfect conclusion, because if something is perfect, it's a conclusion, but it's a perfect conclusion. For us, perfect conclusion means it's not concluded. I mean, it can never conclude in the, in the perfect stage. Is as Gomez once said also, no? Eternal, eternality implies an eternal being, but also an eternal becoming. So that's the paradoxical nature of the Absolute. He's the Absolute, always he's there, but at the same time he's in a process of evolution and evolving in itself. So, going back to the topic, whatever we speak about, whatever, Bhishma's prayers, we should never... I mean, if, if this idea appears in our mind, Oh, I, I already know that. Oh, what a pity that Shamananda asked about that. No, it would, be, <laughs> would have been better if he asked about something they have never heard about. So, actually, it means you never hear about Bhishma's prayer. <laughs> like Gurmash Koto, yes, yesterday, Bhaktivala Tirta Maharaj, no, once he was really... I saw the video, and he, he must have been said that many times, but the video I saw him, he was really, like, outrageous, like, shouting, like... If you hear, he was speaking about Mahaprabhu and Puri, hearing Bhagavatam from Gadadhar Pandit, no? and asking Gadadhar, oh please, speak about Bhagavatam. So Gadadhar spoke about Dhruva Maharaj, no? Dhruva Charit, Pralat Charit, the attributes of personalities like Dhruva and Pralat. No? Not, not let's go and jump into the Rasa Lila and Brahma Gita and whatever, but Dhruva and Pralat. And Mahaprabhu said, oh, and, and again, he spoke a second time about Pralat. And Mahabharata didn't say, hey, that second time about Pralat. No? And Radha and Krishna combined, descending here, so please, go to the real thing. <laughs> Mahabharata never said that. I say, oh, again, again you spoke about Pralat? It, it just for to my ears, it sounds like it's the first time you are speaking about that. So, please speak it about the game. And like three times, like four times, like 100 times. And every time... Gadada spoke again about Pralad, about Dhruva Mahaprabhu, became much more like thirsty and desperate. Speak again about that. Because every time I hear it, it's, it becomes newer and newer. So that's how to hear the Bhagavatam. So Bhaktivala Tirtumaras was at that point was shouting. They said, so if you hear one time <laughs> Dhruva Maharaj, Pralad Maharaj, Charit, and you think, I already know that. Speak about me some. You never hear about that. I was just practically taking the one who was filming from the neck. You, know? <laughs> you never hear about that. You never hear about that. It's clear? <laughs> Not to Sakurati, but to the camera. <laughs> so, that's the nature of, of the topic. I mean, that's the nature of the topic. We should never get tired. And that's because why it says, Vibhata Bhagavatam Rasam Alayam. Alayam means in a post-liberated stage, you continue going through these narrations. I mean, and post-liberated stage is not a boring place. Something interesting is going on there. So, If, if those narrations have the capacity of continuing the post-liberated stage, it means that they are actually a post-liberated stage, personified. So, so that's some brief introduction to the topic, because again, in order to prevent myself even to think, oh, he's asking about Bhishma's prayer. Oh, again, this question has been asked so many times in my life. No, no. Mm-hmm. It's just like the first time someone is asking me to see. <laughs> That's the nature of, of, of the topic that is spiritual in nature. I mean, you can touch it every time, every, all the times you want, and every time it will become new, and new, and new, and new. 
That's the nature of Krishna and Bhagavat is uh, Granta Bhagavat. We have Bhakta Bhagavat and we have Granta Bhagavat. We have the devotee who personifies Bhagavan and we have the the revelation, the scripture who personifies Bhagavan. So Bhagavatam is such. So the nature of Krishna is Navajubhanam. The nature of Krishna is um, his beauty is ever expanding. Vishmapanam Swa says the Bhagavatam. Krishna is so enchanting that his beauty uh, uh, bewilders even himself, says the Bhagavatam. Not only everyone is bewildered about Krishna, but Krishna is bewildered about Krishna. So Bhagavatam is Krishna. So we should be relatively, considerably bewildered <laughs> every time we touch any point. No? So what to speak about uh, such a section as Bhishma's prayers? I mean, we should develop the capacity even to become bewildered by hearing the unending descriptions of the dynasties of thousands of kings, one name after the other. I always say, oh no, no, please, I want to go quickly to the philosophical section. This is too much genealogical trees, there are unending names. We should be develop the adhikar for becoming bewildered with that. <laughs> so what to speak about such a condensed, instructive sec- sections as such as Bhisma departure from this world. So this is a very... Uh, Bhisma is some sort of, how do they say in English, like martyr, no? like personality who is just like living the body. Like It's a very sim- like Jesus on the cross, no? Bhisma in the bed of arrows. That's a very powerful like symbol. Oh, like in the face of death, he's more alive than all of us. <laughs> we have not any single arrow. He's full of arrows, and he's speaking in the much more awakened state that all of us that are so healthy, <laughs> so awake. He's about to die. But I'm, when I see speaking him in that way, I, I question if he's about to die, or he's about he's actually living, and I am about to die. <laughs> Who's living? Who's dying? <laughs> What's going on here? Like when Socrates was about to die, to the Gurmash quoted Socrates in another context. But, and you know the famous story. No? He was about to die because he represented a threat to the youth, no? to the people, with his dangerous revolutionary conception. So, and many of the people who were his students now were the ones who were like pointing to him, kill him, kill him. And that happens. <laughs> and Guru should get accustomed to that. <laughs> And uh, and eventually, you know, he was in the face of death, and he had the option to leave Athens. Athens, you say in English, Athens. the city Athens. Sorry, hmm? and become alive or die in Athens. So of course he chose to die in his place of in his dam. <laughs> I want to die outside the dam. Also. And eventually, one of his students came and said, "I have a chance to." have a contact that you can escape here and you won't die. So he said, she looked at him and said, I mean, it seems that you are my student, but it seems that you didn't understand anything of what I said. I mean, I mean, I'm about to die, but I'm not about to die. I'm about to leave, actually. And to really enter into eternal life. So you are, you are offering me to escape from that eternal life. It's waiting for me. <laughs> and he, at, at, before taking the, how do you call it in English, what he took? Hemlock. Okay. He say he told to the people who were thinking were they were killing him. He said, "You think you are killing me, but by thinking that you are dying more and more actually, <laughs> and by doing this, 
when he drank, no, I'm actually becoming more and more eternal. So, so that's kind of the heroic um, stage, no, that Bhishma is also there, no, that you see him and you feel pity, oh, poor old man, grandfather, so many arrows, no, they would have killed him with only one arrow, but the whole bed of arrows and still there. But actually, if you put everything in context, you understand, oh my God, that's really glorious. I mean, that's uh, the contrast no, of the symbol. A bed of arrows <laughs> and the most enlightened discourse is like totally glorious. <laughs> this type of contrast are always here and there in our tradition. No? Different thing, like, like when Mahaprabhu at the end of his lila, as Guru Maharaj said, he's bathing in the glory of tasting Radhavab at the conclusion of his lifetime, speaking the last verse of Sikshastagam, Krishna Dakarada saying that verse was speaking by Radha himself, so Mahaprabhu did it, he was fully successful in tasting Radha Bhav, but on the other side we know, actually, the Radha of Gaur Lila is Gadadhar, so where is Gadadhar? Totally disappeared in the back, <coughs> how do you say, backdrop, backstage, background, background. okay, but if you understand his disappearance if conte- in context, Gadadhar's disappearance is much more glorious than Mahaprabhu's tasting Radhavab, strictly speaking. <laughs> so that's a, a particular contrast that sheds light on a particular direction. So in the same way, from a very substantial perspective, this situation of Bhishma in the bed of Aras is speaking very loudly to us about mm, the power of of immortality, if you will, huh? even in the face of I mean, try to imagine, no? If, if if just one of our fingers started to bleed a little bit, for us, just the whole event of the day. <laughs> no? You will make an event in Facebook. No, today, my finger was bleeding. Um, please, everyone, no? you make some live video and self. You know, everyone has to know about it. I don't think Bishma would think in those terms in that moment. <laughs> Let someone stream this important moment or whatever, no? So... <laughs> So for us, it's so big, no? such a small thing. No? So he had a very big chance of victimizing himself. Oh, I'm here in a bed of arrows. Don't ask me a discourse now, please. Have pity on me. Uh, oh, he didn't have time for that. I mean, he was not even thinking about that. The idea didn't pass his mind for even for a second. So that speaks very loudly about it. Especially today that we live in the postmodern age with victimization is such a... Uh, a, a daily currency, and as much as you victimize yourself, you have much more moral authority. That's part of nowadays currency, you know. As much as have, I have victim consciousness, uh, I have more rights, my words are more fruitful than others, because I'm more victim than you. Um, I mean, with this, I, I do not sound as lack of compassion, but, I mean... You can have a very traumatized experience in your life. Bhishma can say, oh, I, I die in a bed of horror. <laughs> but forget about that for a moment. We can have a very, whatever, troublesome childhood or whatever you may like. And we may say, you have right to be a victim. You don't have a right to be a victim at all. But let's say it was difficult for you and you're trying to, you feel justified to put some blame on some other person. But, you know, if you really want to follow Gaudiya philosophy, you, there's no escape from that. <laughs> you cannot put your finger outside to anyone. But even if you like, there's a very like fine line between, okay, this happened to me, 
this person made me suffer like this but at one point you will start to use that as a tool for over overtly you know, putting yourself as a victim in an excessive way and instead of being the victim you start to make others the victim by pointing excessively to others basically no? so there are, that's a very interesting teaching in this section in, in, the, in prayers of Bhishma because we don't feel a, a, a scent a trace of victimization no? that's the real uh, feature of a hero no? a hero may have on the, on, if you take this, his situation her situation in, in, from the weak side you may say oh they have so many nice excuses to victimize themselves but they take all of that to become a hero not to make themselves victim you have the victim you are the hero hero means he she could have made themselves a victim oh this happened but instead of taking the situation of something to increase victim consciousness they take the situation to increase Christian consciousness basically which is the exact opposite of victim consciousness <laughs> strictly speaking Bhagavatam is promoting that that Brahmaji is saying that. He said, that person who is really earnestly, earnestly, like expecting your mercy, he's saying to Krishna, that person will very, like friendly, with a very big smile, <laughs> deal with all the different results of his previous misdeeds. He won't enter into victim consciousness, but with bad with his words, mind, and acts, will exclusively engage in glorifying you. Whatever is coming to him, to her, he's transforming that into an offering. And Brahma said, that person is a real uh, candidate for your bhakti, mukti pade. So he's presenting this idea. No? Whatever comes to your life, let's say Maras will say, that's Krishna's mercy. As Guru Maharaj spoke, spoke yesterday, or the day before yesterday. Yeah, you made some questions regarding yeah. that. Yeah? Yeah. So he say basically that's this, the, the stance. This is coming to me, karma, Krishna's mercy, shobhana, karma. I mean, if you are trying to be a sincere surrender devotee, the conclusion will be, well, it should have been worse, but Krishna is so merciful that only this is coming to me. So, if I am feeling that Krishna is really, like, reducing, reducing, yeah. like, the amount of what <clears throat> should come, I have no excuse for victimizing myself. I mean, I should be, on the, on the opposite, I should be just appreciating <laughs> such a gift and trying to reciprocate in the context of of Seva. So, in Bhishma we feel this this level of of sobriety sobriety to be sober mm-hmm. to be sober basically means to not allow yourself to 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 be intoxicated it's not just something that will touch your lips and <laughs> not allow yourself to be intoxicated by pride victimization whatever all those type of things are one of the four principles regulative principles you shouldn't break. Don't intoxicate yourself. <laughs> it's not only do not smoke and do not drink. Yeah, do not smoke pride. Do not drink victimization. <laughs> They're very powerful hemlocks. <laughs> so, 
So all regulative principles do not, do not end so easily. No, I'm vegetarian, so I'm compassionate. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, you have to begin somewhere, but it's just the beginning point. No, I mean, so. <clears throat> Once when the devotee was uh, very unfortunately engaged in Vaishnava Parad, and Srila Bhakti Pramod got to know about that, and he said to him, he was a Western devotee, Prabhupada disciple, who now were taking some sikshas from Srila Purimaras, said, well, some years ago you were eating meat, and you stopped eating meat and you became a vegetarian, which is very nice, but now you started to become an eater of Vaishnava meat. You are like a crow offending Vaishnava, so that's even worse. So I will prefer that you return to eating meat, but not to offend Vaishnavas. Like ex- expressing the full range of being vegetarian. <laughs> Do not eat meat. Vaishnava meat is included there. <laughs> Do not become a crow and just feed yourself from the remnants of, of the rest. <laughs> so, in this way, Vishma is showing in his glorious final uh, discourse uh, his death discourse he's actually teaching us how to enter eternal life um, well many many things could be said about Bhishma of course he's a very paradigmatic figure in the whole Mahabharata he's like the elder nowadays that, that's a very important point I don't want to just lose myself there but the concept of elders in every single tradition in humanity, you have this idea of the elders, and that's so very important. So so important you know, that we may have in every community, in every group. Generally, guru represents that personality, you know, the elder, you know, some person with experience, some person with wisdom, some person who teaches by example, by precept, who's like a loving father, grandfather, whatever. So that's a very powerful. Um, um, which is this word like Jungian um, um, term? Archetypal figure. <laughs> no? The elder. I mean, that's necessary in every healthy community. Huh? An elder to, to, who, to whom all the community goes and hears from his feet. That's not, that should be a natural thing. No, of course, but for an elder to become an elder, he, should, he she should have elders before and behaving in a proper way before being an elder and so on. So, all of us should become elders, not only by age, physical age, but by wisdom. So Bhishma was like the elder in the in the whole Mahabharata. If we have to pick one, Bhishma, I think, in my opinion, is the elder, like very personification of experience and affection and so many other things. An exemplary life from the very childhood, as you know, making his powerful brat from the very beginning making the whole shake earth shake no so much one said <laughs> well, he speaks about brahmacharya he says some other processes are more not so user friendly and asvakti and the beginning point will be brahmacharya but when you pronounce that word not only you shake but the whole earth starts to shake as when when Bhishma pronounced to the world i will become a brahmachari you know, for my whole life and it's at that moment, Mother Earth, boom, is... <laughs> and that's powerful. And for many people, that's like, oh my God. 
but he maintained that in a healthy way. So that's the most powerful thing, of course. It's easy to say that to the world and make a post about that. <laughs> I mean, we have to see in time the result of that. So that's a real power in sustaining. So he was able to not only be a brahmachari, because that's not the goal of our life, but he was a total exemplary elder Vaishnav for the whole community. The Porti Pandavas, he was the elder again. And if you see the blue you see the pandavas and you just become amazed and they will point you to the but they, he's our elder so oh my god who is he you know? <coughs> so we have bishma who is this very special personality who has a, such a special relationship with krishna in a very uh, chivalry like uh, mood of love you know? i mean of course for us vira rasa is like a secondary rasa in the, in the description of Rupa Goswami, we have five main rasas and seven secondary rasas. So here you are seven, so every one of you will mention one of the seven secondary rasas. I will mention the five primary rasas. Santa Dasa Sakyavat Salimadurya. So now you can mention the seven Gona rasas. You can do it in, 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 in English, no problem. Hasirasa, which means? It's uh, like humor. Yeah. Humor. yeah. He will tell mine. Sorry? He will tell mine. He what? I will tell the one for her. Oh, yeah, okay, okay. Vibhatsa. Uh, Vibhatsa, which means? Disgust. Disgust. And? She will tell mine. <laughs> <laughs> we have Birarasa, the one I just mentioned, which is like chivalry. Yes. That's so we have three, almost half. What else? Something nice. coming? Mala? What? Mala is that one, like the jealous anger? No, no, that's another... But, but there is an anger... Like... Rodra. Rodra. Rodra Rasa. Ah. Yeah, like anger. Rodra. Anger. Oh. We have... What else? Some secondary Rasa, Gorsundar? Asya. Another one? I mean, you are all aspiring Gopas, so I know you're very <laughs> to Asya, but... <laughs> um, I don't know which ones you have. We have... Vibhatsa, Vira, Rodra, and Bhuta. very good. Which is like amazement. Amazement. Two more. We have, I will say one, Bhaya. Bhaya, which means fear. Fear. And the remaining one. Making some mudra to help you. Oh, oh. Karunya. Karunya. <laughs> okay. I'm good for mudras. <laughs> Karunya rasa, like mercy. So these are considered generally like secondary rasas, which have the effect of appearing for a moment, like waves in the ocean, and helping to up, uprise, whatever, hike light, the main rasa for a moment, and then retire. No? But in the case of, of, of Bhishma, he has a very particular relationship. I'm not saying that Bira Rasa is his main Rasa or something, but he conceives Krishna in the context of the battlefield that he's uh, Istadev, basically. I remember speaking to one devotee in, in Mexico, and he has joined the Gaudiya Vedanta lineage, but he has this projection in life. See, I want to serve Krishna in the same context as Bhishma. <laughs> he has this Mahabharata DNA. <laughs> I cannot do anything against that. No? I, I won't say that's a stay in him, but I, I almost felt that's really 
fixed, so I didn't try to change that <laughs> because he's a really chival remote, so it's okay. <laughs> I don't want to have problems with warriors. So, so this is a very special projection he had, and, and, and he it, that's the way he expresses the love, his service to Krishna, as in this famous uh, verse no? on the Bhagavad Gita when Krishna uh, says to Arjuna, after the most controversial verse in the whole Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says to Arjuna, even if my if someone engages in the worst possible way, <laughs> if he's determined in surrendering to me, for me he's my saint. Well, because he's properly situated in the correct determination. That requires certain explanation, it's not today's topic. But the next verse, Krishna says to Arjuna, Kshiprambhavati Dharmatma, Kshiprambhavati uh, Dharmatma, Sasvachantim Nigachati Kamteya Pratiya Nihi Name Bhakta Pranashati. He said, O Arjuna, Kshiprambhavati Dharmatma, very soon that person becomes, he becomes virtuous. Kshiprambhavati Kamteya Pratiya O son of Kunti, declare loudly that my devotee never perishes basically. So one may ask why Krishna is asking Arjun to for you declare this. Why is not Krishna declaring that? He say, Oh Arjun, declare this. He's kind of saying, declare this for me, because I cannot declare that. So I say why you cannot declare that? So the underlying story is that at that at some point in the battle, as you may know Someday in the battle they were fighting and Bhishma was on the side of Duryodhan and one day Duryodhan was like not satisfied with Bhishma's standard of Bira, <laughs> of fighting chivalry. And he, he was always doubting about Bhishma because he said, you, I mean, your heart is with them. So, I mean, you are not really giving everything, putting everything into the... As we say in Spanish, you are not leaving everything in the stadium. Like if you are a football player and you have to leave everything in the stadium. You really put your heart there. <laughs> so Bhishma, you know, his, his Satria pride was touched and said, do you intend that I, I'm like afraid of fighting or something like this? No, it's, this is not like that. So you tomorrow you, you will see my uh, dexterity in fight and I promise you I will kill all of the five Pandavas. I imagine for Bhishma to say this. I mean, <laughs> with five... Uh, Five <laughs> uh, infallible arrows I have. Each of them are specifically uh, this destined to reach a particular point and will never fail. So I, I will have. I will use them for the five pandavas. I will kill them. So Duryodhana was like, great. <laughs> so Duryodhana, but Duryodhana was such a crooked person. Say, okay, but give me those five arrows till tomorrow. I will take care of them because he was still doubting. He may repent, he may whatever, with the, the arrow, so I will take care of them till tomorrow. Okay. So, so we rather have the, the five arrows. So at a distance, you know the story? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> Great. <laughs> so at this point, Krishna, uh, well, everyone goes to sleep, basically, to their respective camps, and Krishna being Paramatma, as Guru Maharaj said today, <laughs> He's aware also, in that side of Paramatma, he's aware of what was being said at that point, and he speaks to Arjuna. Something in his ear. 
Okay. So Arjun goes to Duryodhan's camp because between days there was some resting, some coffee break between the battle. <laughs> no? Kanchal sounded coffee for everyone. No. <laughs> so and they exchanged some words. I mean, they were not like they were able to speak. But after that, okay, see you tomorrow for battle. No? So Arjun went to Duryodhan's tent, if you will. <clears throat> and he says to Duryodhan. Okay, do you remember that when we were a child, I saved you your life and you owe, you owe, owe, owe me some something? Yes. What do you want? Whatever you ask me, say to Ryodhan, I will do. Do you want me to stop Kurukshetra war? I will do it. And I just say, no, no, I don't want that. So do you want this? You want? No, I don't want No, I don't want that. So what do you want? So Arjuna say, I want those five arrows that you have hidden, whatever, under your pillow. <laughs> under Ryodhan's leg. How do you know that? Of course, eventually he realized. I know how you know that. So he has to give back. He, he has to give the, the arrows back. So the next day, Bhishma goes to Duryodhan and asks for the arrows. <laughs> so Duryodhan is like, say, Arjuna came to pick them. So Bhishma immediately knew Krishna. <laughs> so Krishna, Bhishma said in a mix of love and pride and, <coughs> and chivalry. Oh, I make the promise that today I will kill all the pandas with these arrows and Krishna wants me, wants to make me break my promise, taking away the arrows. And I'm a Kshatriya, how can I break my promise? It's better to die than that. So Krishna wants me to make, break my promise. So I will fight in such a way, even without the arrows, and I will make him break his promise. So that this was a loving competition. It was spoken in the context of, of Prem. So... Battle starts, restarts, and Vishnu starts to fight like never before, and without arrows, no, and those have arrows, and there is a point when he's about to kill Arjun, basically. And remember, which was the promise that Krishna made in the context of the Kurukshetra war? My devotee shall never perish. No, no, no. no, no. Oh, His own fight. promise. I will never fight. That one, yeah, thank you. So you say, I, I, I won't engage personally in the battle, I only will be the charioteer. So, so Bhishma started to fight in such a way that he was about to kill Arjun. So Krishna at that point, well, he resorted to his old trick that is breaking his bows for his devotee, no, for, for, for maintaining a higher bow. So that's also a teaching. No? I mean, bows are, are meant to be broken in the context of embracing higher bows. <laughs> like when Godadar Pandit also Mahaprabhu went to Puri, he said, I will reside in Puri as a sannyas. So Gadar Pandi went and said, sannyas. He accepted sannyas and the type of sannyas that you never leave a particular place because he thought, Mahaprabhu will be here, I accept the boat to never leave this place. But eventually, very soon, Mahaprabhu said, I want to go to Vrindavan. <laughs> so Gadar said, but, okay, I'll go to Vrindavan. Mahaprabhu said, but you cannot leave Puri, you made a vow to never leave Puri. And he said, to hell with that vow. And to be with you is the highest bow. I made that bow to be with you. I mean, the point is, you have to understand the purpose of whatever bow you're accepting. It's not that, okay, I will do that, I have to accept that. Why? Which is the purpose? So Gadadhar had it very clear. I made the bow to stay in Puri only to be with you. If you go somewhere else, I break my bow and go to you, because that's the bow, actually. The other thing is the circumstantial form to maintain my substantial bow. So, 
Mahaprabhu insisted, no, you return. No. A total Gopinath is being neglected. You are higher, thousands of times higher to be with you than total Gopinath. Like this he was pressing. Generally, Gadada was very shy, but in this moment he spoke very boldly. <laughs> so, well, eventually. So the point is that Krishna broke his vow. This is the famous picture. The Krishna is with the, like the wheel, about to, like some sort of chakra. <laughs> he invoked the chakra in this form, about to kill Bhishma. And Bhishma was, how was Bhishma? He was like this. <laughs> like given the welcome to such a glorious death which, you know that was never took place because at that specific moment coffee break <laughs> conchal sounded <laughs> battle day by day of battle was over no? so but he made his point Krishna made his point he break the bow and Bhishma made Krishna made his point breaking the bow so because of this is that Krishna said to Arjun you say that my devotee will never perish because I have such a bad reputation of always breaking my vows that if I say my devotee never perish, no one will believe me. And I want people to believe this thing because it's a very important point. My devotee will never perish. So you Arjun have like very impeccable reputation. You say that. I'm I don't have very nice reputation. But Krishna doesn't have nice reputation because of embracing the highest vows. I mean he has the best reputation in that regard. No? So. <laughs> Sometimes saintly people may be also criticizing that sense. They're embracing such a high bow that some people may criticize, oh, you're broke. No? A lower bow. No? Oh, Krishna, you start to fight in the battle. You are, you are a liar. No, no, you have to see the full picture and say, he's accepting a higher bow. So this isn't, there's no breaking of any bow here. <laughs> so, so we see, no? Bhishma has this type of approach toward Krishna. Some loving... Uh, Chivalry-like uh, approach, and even in one of the verses, of, I don't know if you reached that section of the prayers or not. Like, we're just reaching the verse about the start. Oh, okay. So I don't want to tell you the end of the movie. <laughs> but I mean, of course, he gives so many levels of of instruction. It's a very systematic thing, starting from the very basics and really escalating towards the scene of theism. At least his. Zenith. <laughs> so he he will of course speak about difference between matter and consciousness, which you can imagine is it's basic, but if someone speaking from a bed of arrows is saying that <laughs> without being affected, but that will really have an impact of you, on you. <laughs> because we hear so many times you are not this body or whatever, but if someone really showing I'm not this body and <laughs> saying that, that will really create some some scars. So we, we go through those narrations with that hope. You know, hopefully I may like that may move my heart to really think, oh really he's speaking with as Guru Maharaj said yesterday, you put a, you put a mystic in the laboratory <laughs> and objectively you, you will realize oh there's something extraordinary here. Hmm. I cannot I mean I cannot deny. He's in a bed of arrows for some time, not for ten minutes. <laughs> He's given very lucid, sober instructions. I mean, something, something is going on here. Something worthy of, of research. <laughs> so eventually, after giving this very basic instructions on, on Dharma, Atato Dharma Jignasa, on, on the difference between consciousness and matter, Atato 
Brahma Jignasa, eventually he goes to the highest reach of inquiry. Atato Rasa Jignasa, as Guru Maharaj sometimes present these three levels. First, inquire into the nature of what to do in the world, duty, dharma. Later, inquire into the nature of the other world and the difference with this world, Brahman, Matur spirit. And then inquire into the highest reach of the other world. And how interestingly that highest reach, somehow or other, comes here and we are now here trying to reach there. <laughs> so, Tato Rasa Jignasa. So eventually, um, Bhishma touches those points and he starts to pray to Krishna in a very interesting way. There is one specific prayer that is almost his last words before he leaves this body. And he invokes <coughs> like a, a, a poetic poetic device in order to present his feelings in a concept that it seems that he's speaking like someone in Madhurya Rasa, like a, like a, a lover is speaking to his beloved and expressing the pleasure she's feeling according to the, uh, how to say, <laughs> of the byproducts of the love battle between them, like nail marks and different marks of the, of this intimate erotic descriptions that you find in books like Govinda Lilamrita and Krishna Bhavanamrita that should be properly understood. So Bhishma is speaking in those same terms, but connecting all those things to the context in which he loves Krishna, which is in the context of battle. And like a friend may say to Krishna in Vrindavan, oh I hope to well, Prabhupada will say, no? Help me with the Bengali. Kotavani chutte chutte so I hope to frolic with you in the pastures and and eventually implying there to fight there no? and roll on the ground I fight with you I would like to fight with you forever <laughs> so Bhishma has that same it's another variety of Sakyarasi <laughs> he projects I want to fight with you forever but in the concept of chivalry in the, in the battle like we are doing now I, 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 hope, I hope to enter into this portal forever, if you will. So he starts to make a comparison between the these bite marks and nail marks in comparison to the the the, the arrow and the wounds that he may make because he was wounded in battle, Krishna himself, and he was starting to describe Krishna like his wounds in battle making him more beautiful and the and the dust raised by the horses in battle making him more beautiful. So in one sense, a very interesting parallel to, I don't know, the Godul in Vrindavan. <laughs> Everyone, like, like, as Guru Mahesh was saying the other day, the earth is embracing Krishna in the form of a cloud of dust, and that's not dust, but it's the affection of the earth, so Krishna seems himself more beautiful because being ornamented by the love of his devotee, in this case, Mother Earth. So, Vishma, from his, his particular viewpoint, if you will, he's appreciating those same details in his own bhav. You know? All this dust raised by the horses and these wounds by battle, I would like to to serve you lovingly. As a lover, has this love marked with his beloved like this. You know? And eventually at that point, he's saying that with Krishna in front of him. You know? Because in the, in the beginning, Bhishma, as you know, was in the bed of Aros, so this was like big news everywhere, so all sages from everywhere came, Narada had to be there, of course, and many others, 
Bhishma is there and Beda Paro's big discourse is about to, to come. But Bhishma was waiting for a particular moment. A particular moment. Which is called generally Uttarayana. Uttarayana. Which in a, in a general way has to do with a particular moment when the sun is setting and Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita also speaks in the 8th chapter for yogis. There is a particular way, moment, if you live in your, your body in a particular moment of the day, you will never return to this world and if you live in another moment, you will return. So the yogis are preparing, trying to control the moment where they are leaving their body so not to return to this. They are mainly concerned with mukti. So that's a level of instruction. So generally this applies sometimes to Bhishma to say he was waiting no? for the perfect moment to live. For the Uttarayana, that externally means particular position, astrological position to auspiciously leave this world. Meanwhile he was speaking, so it may seem that he was extending his discourse, just like, okay, goodbye. <laughs> but it was not the point. He was there, but his main point was he was waiting for Krishna to be there. Sometimes the, the, the parallel to, Bish, to Bhishma's departure is in the Gaur Lila, we found the parallel version, the departure of Haridas Thakur. Chaitanya Chaitamrita itself is saying that. Or I, I think Krishna does is proper says in Mahaprabhu himself, who was saying, this is like the departure of Haridas Thakur from the world. Because Haridas said to Mahaprabhu, I'm about to leave, I think I'm about to leave, whatever, but Please grant me a desire. I don't want to leave this world after you, after you close your pastime here. Let me allow me to leave it be, this world before. And contemplating your sweet lotus face. So next day he said that he departed before Mahaprabhu and Bikirtan, whatever. Very glorious departure. So <clears throat> so Bhishma was waiting for Krishna to be there, was waiting for his to to be there, and very beautiful the Bhagavatam describes how Krishna started, to, uh, Bhishma started to fix his eyes in the different, like bodily members, bodily limbs of Krishna, finally in his lotus face, starting from below, going up to down, that's the general, uh, how do you say, sequence? At least in general rasas, it is said that in the case of the gopis, they go straight to Krishna's face. And mm -hmm. from there, it goes. maybe they go a little bit down, maybe remain stuck there. But generally, this little, little, the general sequence is from up to down, it's from down to up. So eventually he fixed, the, the example always is given like two bumblebees, his two eyes remain like two bumblebees in the lotus of Krishna's face, captured by that, that lotus, like if the lotus closes and bumblebees remain inside intoxicated with the pollen and the nectar there. <laughs> so Bhishma at the end remains stuck there. Fixes to, he stops speaking and really determines in that moment. So in that sense is that it is plain that externally may say, okay, oh that was just in place with the Uttarayana moment and Bhishma left in the auspicious moment and he got Bhukti. But actually the most profound meaning is that Uttarayana, Uttarayana is a name for Krishna which has to do with Uttara, who is the mother of Parikshit. And Uttarayana has to do with the one who appeared in Uttara's womb. Remember, Parikshit was in Uttara's womb, and he was about to be killed by the nuclear weapon that was sent by Ashwatam. Do you remember? Mm -hmm. 
So, in order to protect the, the how do you call it? Embryo? Embryo. Krishna entered into uterus, mystically entered into uterus, womb. So, Pariksi had first darshan of Krishna in the womb. Imagine, I mean, I have 39 years now and I haven't, I haven't had darshan, direct darshan of Krishna yet. <laughs> so, what to speak of having that already in the womb? <laughs> you can imagine how that baby will come out. No? So, and that was the nature of Pariksi. Pariksi means the one who was looking in every direction. Pari, Iksha. Iksha has, means eyes, and Pari means everywhere. So his eyes were everywhere looking for that person he saw in his mother and womb. He was crazy about it. And he was inquiring. Sometimes Pariksi is translated as the inquirer. Inquirer? Inquirer. So he was inquiring from everyone, like scanning every person. Are you the one I saw in, in the womb? No. Are you the one I saw in the womb? No. Like looking, Krishna, 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 Krishna. <laughs> So Uttarayana is a name for Krishna, the one who gave darshan to Pariksha. So the point is, Bhishma was not expecting for, to, for some astrological relative position to leave body auspiciously. He was beyond, way beyond that. He was not even aware that he was leaving the body. That's the real post-liberated situation for a devotee to say that a yogi may like calculate when to leave auspiciously, and try to focus their mind, but a real high advanced about the Asbishma, he doesn't even realize I'm leaving my body. Because he's not aware my body, leaving my body. He's so situated in his body, real body, that he's just engaging in Seva. So, Seva, 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 one body, Seva, Seva. So, that's the, the best possible situation that as a Bhakta we aspire to. To achieve, no, not so much to calculate fear, no, suspicion, suspension, <laughs> no, how I may live. And try to absorb as much as you can in Seva, and whenever uh, death, so-called death, may come, it will meet you serving. So <laughs> that will be the most suspicious way, because we don't know where, where that moment will come. So, <clears throat> so th- these are some teachings that we can extract from this section of Bhishma's prayers. Actually, maybe I just gave context from before and after. Didn't go into detail into any of the prayers, only one of the last ones, but that's what you will do these days when you will be reading this section. I'm just trying to give some little... to put the, some parameter to the whole <laughs> uh, scenario. <clears throat> yeah. Shivishma Dev Ki Shri <laughs> <laughs>